around town. In front of me is Level M. And why don't we start with a bit of introduction, who you are and uh, how you're involved with the Lion King, what we're talking about today. Um, Level M, one of the four principal original composers of the soundtrack of the Lion King. Basically involved with the Lion King from day one to the movie 1994. Mm-hmm. They brought productions around the world. I don't know how I was one of the cast members of the original Broadway show. Yeah. And it's been an exciting journey, yes. all the way to where I am this very second with you. Yeah, so over 20 years of working with The Lion King, among other things, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. it's your number one project, right, in your life? It, it honestly is, yeah. especially the, the, the Broadway franchise, and what I love about it, it doesn't feel like I've been doing it for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited to be here, which is my first arena experience of the lion king right and i'm I'm like a little kid in a candy store really excited (laughs) looking forward to experiencing it okay cool so uh i'd like to talk a little bit more about the show but first i'd like to learn a bit more about you about um perhaps uh where you grew up i was born and brought up in south africa Mm -hmm. i left south africa at age 16 uh as a refugee i then practically grew up in america Mm -hmm. Uh, then since i turned professional many years ago basically feel I'm a global community immigrant member <laughs> of the world. Right. So, okay. yeah, yeah. And, uh, how did you get started in your musical career? Well, I was born into music. Both my parents were uh, musicians, mm-hmm. especially my father. Um, grew up in the early days of the previous uh, apartheid system in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, grew up in the ballroom and nightclub music world. Um, left uh, When I left South Africa, I was 16 years old and I already was working uh, oh. as a singer and a performer. Okay. And what, what sort of music were you singing? <laughs> it, growing up in South Africa in those days, uh, American music was very dominant, especially R&B and jazz. Oh, I find that surprising from like... Uh, yeah, I was fortunate though that I was experienced as a child to both Mm-hmm. South African cultural music and traditional music right. and commercially popular music. So I grew up in both worlds, mm-hmm. especially in the 70s. South African traditional music was really becoming commercialized, mm-hmm. which was basically, it probably was a time when South African musicians were competitors with American uh, musicians. So I was fortunate to grow up uh, at a time where politically things were unstable in my country, mm-hmm. but the music and the culture and the entertainment scene was probably ahead of the country in, right. in, in, in that we were exposed to a lot more music from around the world and South African music was growing in South Africa okay. uh, because in my country at that time, the environment was very restrictive to what uh, black South Africans were exposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but through music and the arts, some of us were fortunate to be exposed to the rest of the world yeah. without any political hindrance, so to speak, even though there were restrictions. Uh, but you grew up with music and learning music. Did you do any formal music training as well? When I went to America, I went to high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last two years was at the Duke School of the Arts in Washington, D.C., where for the first time I was exposed to uh, music academically is a music theory and, mm-hmm. and this is long years before uh, Lion King was even conceived yeah, of course, yeah. or thought about mm-hmm. um, by the time I 
I meet uh, Hans, and we do our first movie called Power of One. I was already strong as, a, as an individual artist from Africa, mm-hmm. uh, or from South Africa specifically. So I, I was lucky with Hans to do Power of One, which many years later we were able to reflect on it as an audition for The Lion King. Okay. Well, and did you always incorporate African influence and African music into your compositions? It's always been like that. Even when I grew up in Washington, D.C. in high school, I learned early that I am not as great a jazz artist or great an R&B artist, which was my childhood dream. You know, when you're growing up in South Africa, <laughs> yeah, you want, you to, want be to be a, a star. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you, when you go to high school and you realize that your heroes that you grew up with, the superstars, are in your classroom uh, mm-hmm. and are better than your heroes that you grew up learning, Mm-hmm. music through or performing through, then you, you, you learn to bring something different to the table. Mm-hmm. And how did you get involved with the Lion King in the first place? Were, were, were you sought out or was it audition process? It was a very interesting time because uh, South Africa, my home country, was changing. Yeah. Um, I Again, I, I consider myself one of the luckiest people in the world to always be at the right place at the right time. When I was called to do a demo for The Lion King. I was actually in South Africa. Mm-hmm. This is not the era of cell phones. No, of course not. Were you back in South Africa? Well? I was back in yeah. South Africa for maybe my second or third trip since I left as a young person. Mm-hmm. And I got a message. Uh, my friend Hans was looking for me. So I went to Los Angeles, uh, walked into a room. Uh, there was about nine white people, and I'm the only person there. I didn't know why I was there, mm-hmm. uh, except my friend Hans was doing a project. I was told a little bit about this new project. I don't think it was called The Lion King then. Yeah. Uh, told a little bit about the first five, seven minutes of it. And because me and Hans have a natural way of working, I kind of heard a little bit of the circle of life, the chord progression and rhythm section mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 that Hans and the team had put together. So I immediately went into work mode, wrote the... Uh, the chant and mm-hmm. arranged uh, with Hans that first part of the movie. Just when I was about to leave, because I, I wanted to do a demo, I saw the image of what I obviously years later knew to be Mufasa right. going up the Pride Rock. So I asked what was that, and it was explained to me that the king was now about to introduce the, the Simba character to the community. Mm-hmm. Then we went back and I said, no, turn the microphone on. And turn the microphone and the first thing I did was, nothing on Yama. And I did it as a demo and I left. Yeah, so that was just like off the cuff, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 there was no... And that's probably the most recognizable line. <laughs> yeah, right? but the, the, the cool thing about it is it was your normal process of doing a demo mm-hmm. and how I work with Hans. And right. at that point, I had worked with many other people and other movie projects. Then I left and went home, uh, learned later, maybe three, four months later, that I was hired for a project that I... I was in South Africa when I got the script of the original movie, flew from Johannesburg to Los Angeles reading the script. Mm-hmm. I was uh, amazed at the parallel story that I was living at the same time, because reading the script and going through my life changes. Yeah. By the time I start working the project, it was not a animation project to me because I could identify with the characters mm-hmm. that uh, allowed me, and the time, 
in which this project came in my life was a blessing because I could relate to the characters in my personal life, the character of Simba growing up in exile, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the character of Mufasa. I could relate to that very strongly with the character of Nelson Mandela, who, and the characters, your hyenas and Scar, I could relate to them in a personal level in that they represented the apartheid system and yeah. oppression and, and those kind of things. So it was a brilliant blessing to work this project because it immediately became personal. When we started working in a studio, I wanted to redo the Nansen Gonyama because I really was doing it as a demo uh, when I first did it two months earlier. What became a beautiful surprise is what ended up being in the movie was the first and only take of Nansen Gonyama. It was never redone. Okay. Uh, and it outlived every project that I've ever done. Right. So what you hear in the movie was a one-take demo. Your first demo. And yeah. what, 25 years later, when I start working on a new movie, mm-hmm. Lion King movie in 2019, again, we went through the process of doing now, redo this iconic identity of the Lion King, mm-hmm. tried it, it didn't work. Same demo take is in the new movie. Wow. Okay. So between that and working the Broadway production for, what, 20 years, it became a progression of, uh, it was not, it always felt like something new. Right. Because working a Broadway show allowed me, probably the only person, maybe Mark Mancini to a limited extent, that I have been exposed to the live music of The Lion King for 20 years because yeah. I worked all the Broadway production. Mm-hmm. So by the time we do the movie in 2019, I kind of had great practice for 20 years how to approach the music of The Lion King from a live point of view. And having written more songs on a Broadway show, being involved with all just about all the Broadway productions, I, I was very comfortable doing the movie. Finally, I guess we'll, we'll finish wrapping things up. Um, maybe some, some hooks for like the audience that have never seen this before. So what makes The Lion King so special for you and, and keeps you working on it for, for over 20 years? Like most audiences that have seen The Lion King more than once, it always feels like the first time, especially the Broadway. Mm-hmm. The stage production is always alive. I still get goosebumps more than 20 years later of the first three, five minutes of watching the Lion King on stage. Yeah, first three to five minutes. Don't be late to the show, right? It, it yeah. cannot be. It yeah. cannot be. If, if I've been doing this for so long, mm-hmm. I, I'm always conscious of I can't miss the first note. Yeah. Because it, it sets the tone for the rest of your experience in the Lion King. I don't consider going to buying a ticket for the Lion King to seeing the Lion King. Mm-hmm. Because it's an experience, you know. So you don't want to miss the first moment, first second of experience in the Lion King, which sets the tone for the rest yeah. of the show. And of course, I, I've, I've seen this many years ago myself, mm. and like that first five minutes with the, uh, the spoilers, but it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yes. it, it, you, you just wow by it. So yeah, yeah worth it. Not missing. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, thank you very much for joining me. Absolutely. Good luck. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs>